Welcome to America's Top Rebbitzins. May this class be for Rafua Shalema, for Eliezer Raphael Leib Ben-Namuna, for Lior Tovia Ben-Haya Ashna, and also for Rebbitzin Devorah Bat Rivka. Please click the subscribe button to subscribe to us on the America's Top Rebbitzins YouTube page, or click follow to follow us on your podcasting app so that you are the first to know when an inspiring new episode is posted. I'm so excited to have on today's show a very special guest. Her name is Rebison Razel Rosenfeld. Rebison Razel is the co-director of the Chabad of Portugal located in Lisbon. Thank you so much for being here. Please tell us more about yourself and what you do. Well, thank you for hosting. Um, as you said, my name is Razel Rosenfeld. I am the Chabad Shlucha in Portugal with my husband and my five children. Um, and this year we we're blessed to have another Chabad couple join our team. Um, I grew up in America, in Connecticut, where my parents were the Chabad Shluchim, are the Chabad Shluchim for over 45 years in the greater Hartford area. So this is exciting to me to be able to continue that work um, across the ocean. And uh, we are so blessed in the country we live in and the people that we interact with and our new family here in Portugal, our Jewish, uh, the Jewish population, as we like to call them, our family. It's really, really so cool that you're there and it's exciting. You know, I want, want to ask you about the, the Jewish population of the Chabad of Portugal. Are there a lot of Jews? I know you're in Lisbon. Are there a lot of Jews in Lisbon? So a lot, we always say a lot is relative. Um, right. Portugal is definitely now has become the past few years on the map and the Jewish population is definitely growing. Um, in Lisbon proper, there is the local Sephardi synagogue called Shari Tikva Synagogue. Um, where we attended when we first moved to the Lisbon Center. And then a few years later, we moved to the suburb, which is called Kashkayish. And that's where we just built our um, Chabad house. So we work together um, with the Sephardi Synagogue and we have our the population that is in the Kashkayish area as well. Very nice. That's so great. It's really, really nice as I'm interviewing Rebbitsons from, from America and also from around the world. It's so nice to know about the, the different Jewish populations across the world. It's really, really fascinating. It is. I feel like my eyes have been opened, you know, growing up in suburb America. Like, what did we know? Sephardi, Ashkenazi, we're all one. And now we're we're living in a Sephardi country. So it definitely has added a new flavor and taste to our, you know, practicing Judaism. Very nice. Very nice. And today we're going to get into a very interesting topic that's actually, it, it pertains to women worldwide. So this is going to be exciting. So moms and women in general are among the busiest people I know. We are working inside the home and oftentimes outside the home too. We're taking care of the kids, running the house, volunteering in the community, and doing a million other things all at the same time. And many of us strive for perfection. We want that pot roast to come out just right, not too overdone. We want the document that we wrote at work to be error-free so that our boss is happy. And if that's not enough, we're looking at the people around us who seem to have everything figured out and have their lives perfectly in place. And for many women, perfection is king. So the good news is that we are going to speak today about the topic that we're going to talk about is that we are not perfect and we don't need to be perfect. We just need to be our best selves. And that best self does not involve perfection. We're not angels. We're human. So Rebbitz and Rachel, Rachel, I know that you don't put a pressure on yourself to be perfect. I, you know, I really, really admire that. Can you please talk to us about how to feel comfortable within ourselves and how to love and accept ourselves, even with all our imperfections? Um, okay, so we're not perfect. <laughs> you know, I remember the uh, the week, right? The, like it was my era of Shabbos Kala. I got married, Yudches Adar. So it was a Friday Purim. Um, and my wedding was Thursday, uh, was Tuesday. 
So here I am. I'm number six in my family. So there was no one else on top of me living at home. And my little siblings were away in Yeshiva. So I was there helping my mother do Purim and do Shabbos and getting married in three days. And I was cleaning the chickens quickly for Shabbos. And I still have to run and do something before Purim and wedding preparation. And my aunt, who I guess I can call a perfectionist, she's like, how is she going to get married? There's still feathers on the chicken. And I'm like... <laughs> We'll just have to, you know, live with it that, yeah, I can get married even if I'm not perfect. And um, we're not perfect. And Hashem didn't make us perfect. As you know, you mentioned before, if Hashem wanted to, he could have made us perfect. So I think that's the first, the first, um, I know it's very, it can seem very spiritual and lofty, but Hashem created the world with human beings and not only human beings, but human beings with the Yitzhahara. So um that's just that's the first spiritual recognition that we're we're not perfect and we're not meant to be perfect but on a more practical level um i am a a one out of six sisters so perfection is going to be very hard to uh to reach especially when you have older sisters so i kind of i guess i dropped that ball and you know have a laissez-faire attitude in life because also the pressure just makes life not so fun if we're always pressured to do and keep doing and <clears throat> make it perfect. It's just very stressful and it's going to come out on us and on our marriage and on our children. Um, so I am, uh, it's a funny word to say I'm lucky maybe, or I don't have the pressure because I don't live in a huge, uh, uh, huge, uh, uh, lively from Jewish community. So I don't necessarily have the pressures of my neighbors in that sense. Um, and I do feel that I, I'm at more peace with myself. I don't have to have the fanciest Shabbos spread or even like I can make Shabbos the way I want to make it. I don't have to do, you know, all the salads and dips and tens of desserts and things like that just because that's the norm of the community. I do what works for my family and no one's looking. So <laughs> um, I, I can do what works. So I don't have that social pressure of being perfect. Um, yeah. I love that. I love what you said that like nobody's looking and you're kind of doing, you're, you're doing what you feel is best. You're doing what you can do depending on your week. I'm sure some of your weeks are busier than others. Some Shabbosim, you could make more food, make more dips, make more desserts and others, not so much, you know, depending on your week. But it's so interesting that, that you brought up really, really good point. In some communities, in some Jewish communities, there is a lot of social pressure to cook not only a chicken, but to cook a chicken and a meat and not just one meat, but two meats and not just two desserts, but three or five and all different types and to make it all fancy and the plating and the table settings. I mean, it really can get, you know, can get out of control and not only Shabbos, you know, you, you know, it could be with, with the way that you look and the clothes that you wear and, you know, you're keeping up with the Joneses, both in terms of, you know, what you do with your appearance and what you do, you know, with your family, like you're always kind of trying to keep up with other people and trying to keep that perfect facade, so to speak, because as we said, nobody's perfect. And I don't know, I was just wondering, I know you don't have that social pressure and you're so lucky in Portugal, but what can you say to the people who do have that social pressure? And maybe people are coming over and and you feel like they're judging you or they're looking at you, even if they may not be, but just to kind of take that pressure off women so they really don't feel the need to strive for perfection all the time. So as you were saying that, I was actually just thinking that. So we do all have our own talents and we should use them to perfection. So my talent might be, I don't know, schedule. So I make sure my kids are on bed on time and I make sure that they're up in the morning, even though they yell at me, I'm still tired or whatever. So like, that's my, I don't know if you want to call that a talent, but like, that's my thing. So I use, 
I should use that to perfection and organize my life in an organized way if that's my thing. If your thing is to make a beautiful tablescape and that is your own shabbos, then that's wonderful. Um, but what you were saying about the pressure, so there's a famous story of a chassid named Reb Zusha. He was um, a chassid who was very famous together with his brother, Abeli Melech of Lezinsk. He was His name was Reb Zusha Anapoli. And I think it was towards the time closer to his death and he was crying. And um, his students were saying, why are you crying? You're, you were as good as Avram Avinu and you were as good as Meshur Abenu and you were as good as all these amazing tzaddikim. Why are you so nervous to meet you know, Hashem and all of my MS. And so she said, when I get there, Hashem's not going to ask me, was I as good as Avram Avinu or as Moshe Rabbeinu? Hashem's going to say, were you the best Zusha that you could be? And that's why I'm crying. So I think when we're striving for, for, for perfection or striving to do, it's not about what other people are doing. It's about what we can do. So we have to tap inside ourselves. And we say, hey, the Shabbos spread with 20 dips and desserts and five meats is not my thing. Then and it's not going to bring me on a Shabbos, then I don't have to do it. But Hachnas Zorcham is my thing. So I should make sure that I'm hospitable to my guests and have food and things that will make them comfortable or whether my thing is keep it up the aim or, or things like that. That's are the things that matter at the end of the day. But that being said, if the tablescape does bring you joy and it does bring you on a Shabbos, I'm not here to... Um, or, you know, dressing nicely. I'm, I'm so simple. <laughs> That's why these things don't come hard to me. But if those things do bring you joy, like I can't look down at them and say, hey, they're doing what everyone else is doing because maybe that's just something that brings them happiness. But the pressure doesn't have to be that. The pressure should be, I have to do the best that I can be. Not, I have to do what someone else is doing. I love it. It's so simply put. It's true. I have to be the best person that I can be and not worry about everybody else. And everybody has to do what they're, what they're good at, what their talents are, whatever Hashem gave to them. And that's kind of what they have to cultivate within themselves and perfect, so to speak. It's beautiful. And so also when it comes to Judaism, we are all trying to serve Hashem. We're all trying to serve God as best we can in our own way. And most of us are not doing the mitzvah 100% correctly. You know, if we're going to be honest, there's always room for improvement. And we are not perfect when it comes to serving Hashem. But I don't think that he necessarily wants us to be perfect. Otherwise, he would have created us as angels. But I think that many people feel a certain type of guilt in this area of avodas Hashem, of serving Hashem. We want to serve him better but we often fall short. So I want to see if you can please give us the proper perspective on the way we serve Hashem, the, the best way we can serve Hashem, even with all our imperfections. So um, when Moshe went up to Harsinai to get the Torah, there was an argument. The Malachim, the angels are like, why are you getting the Torah? You sin. You'll, you know, you don't deserve the Torah. You're human beings. You can make mistakes. And Moshe said, well, <clears throat> let's look at the mitzvahs. Keep it up aim. Do you have parents? No. Hachnas Zorcham, can you have guests? No. Hashavas Aveda, do you lose things? Can you? No. So Hashem obviously didn't give you the Torah. So Hashem chose, Hashem didn't need perfection. Hashem is perfection. If he wanted perfection, he didn't have to create the world. He has his malachim. He has his abundance and abundance of all the names of the, you know, the seraphim and all the spiritual entities that there are in Shemayim. He didn't need, Hashem didn't need the world. But Hashem chose the world. Hashem chose us to make Hashem a, a home down here in the world. And he chose us and created us, as I mentioned before, with Ayyad Zahara. And um, I don't know if you're familiar with the Tanya, but the another name of the Tanya, which is the, um, the Hasidic book of the first Chabad Rebbe, the Alter Rebbe, it's called Sefer Shel Benonim, the book of the Benoni. It's not called Sefer Shel Tzadikim. Yeah. Well, you know, in kindergarten and in first grade, when we learn about Rosh Hashanah, we all want to be 
you know, on the scale, we want to be the tzaddikim, but that's, that's not a, that's not an accurate thing. That's more of a, a mushal, a, a description, because really a tzaddik was someone that was born a tzaddik. That's a Hashem chose a few tzaddikim in each generation, but we we are banned and we have the option to, we are never going to be perfect because that's not the way Hashem made us, but that's not the goal. The goal of the banity is what the Alter Rebbe talks about in the Tanya is to continue the fight. If we fail, that's okay. Life isn't over. We have to get up again and continue fighting. It's not, it's not, we're not a winner. It's not about us being a winner. It's not about us being a loser. We're not, it doesn't matter if we failed. We just have to get up and continue fighting because that's what it is. We are fighters. And we know that as Jewish people, we, we feel it in our blood. That's how we survived all these years. But in our spiritual sense, that's the same thing. And um, I've been feeling this a lot because I've been teaching a course called the Rosh Chodesh Society, which I'm sure lots of people who are listening to this have um, heard about it, or if they want, they can contact their Jewish Learning Institute uh, office, and it's a, it's a Rosh Chodesh class for women. And um, one thing we're talking about is this year's class is called Well Connected, which is talking about certain mitzvahs. And we look at it, there's 613 mitzvahs. That means there's 613 ways to connect to Hashem. If one of them isn't working for me or I keep on failing, that doesn't mean I have zero ways of connecting to Hashem. I have another 612 ways to connect. So I just have to tap into that, what works for me, and recognize that it's not all or nothing. And I see that again with lots of mitzvahs, like kosher. It's not all or nothing. It's not if by mistake I messed up and made one of my dishes not kosher, that my kitchen is not kosher anymore, and I don't have, I shouldn't keep it anymore. Or even with mikvah, like if someone wasn't able, if they're if they're learning and they haven't been able to keep all the halachas of mikvah that month, it doesn't mean that they can't keep it anymore. The next month they just get back up and they continue. And that's, that's, I think the Jewish perspective of perfection, Hashem, Hashem didn't make us perfect. Hashem wanted us to create his home for him because of our imperfections, because we are choosing to create this home for Hashem, even with, even with our imperfections. And if you want to say failures, the, um, because that is what Hashem chose for us. He wanted us to create his home for him the way we are. I love that. I love that because it's so accepting. You know, Hashem just accepts us the way that we are, warts and all, you know, our imperfection, our failures. Like, you know, he wants us to try. It's really what he wants from us. He wants us to try to do our best, to be the best people that we can be. And you're right, if we can't connect or maybe not can't is the right word, but maybe if we have difficulty connecting to Hashem through one particular mitzvah, there are so many others that we can try. And there's also a concept of, you know, there's one particular mitzvah that that we connect with. Like for, for me, um, I connect with the, the mitzvah of Haknasas Orhim. I love that mitzvah. It's my favorite mitzvah. And I really try to do as much as I can with that mitzvah. And I really connect to it doesn't mean I don't do the other mitzvot or, you know, to do them to the best of my ability. But I feel like everybody has a special mitzvah. Some people are really good at giving tzedakah. Some are really good at visiting the sick. Others are amazing with kashrut. I mean, I can go on and on and on. And I just, you know, you don't have to be good at everything, in other words. So Hashem accepts us, you know, as long as we're trying. Yes. And we have to accept ourselves. Once we accept ourselves, then we will be so much better at accepting others. I love it. I love it. That's so key. Um, and speaking about serving Hashem, a friend of mine was recently telling me how overwhelming it is to clean for Pesach because Pesach is coming up and she does all the cleaning by herself and it's really, really hard for her. So she knows that there is a limit to the cleaning and that she can clean the house for the holiday without going crazy, but somehow the preparations always drive her nuts. 
And Pesach is that is that hog, that holiday that many women dread months in advance due to all the cleaning and preparation it entails. And out of all the holidays, Pesach brings out the perfectionist, even in the person who is laid back and relaxed during the rest of the year. So, I mean, we really want to get the cleaning right, most of us. Um, can you please give us some tips to help make cleaning and cooking and preparing for Pesach a bit easier so that part of our perfectionist self who's looking for the bagel crumbs in the toy chest at 3 a.m. can rest easier? <laughs> okay. So I'll give you a little bit back of my Pesach background. Firstly, the first year I made Pesach, I'm like, wow. I did it. I'm an adult now. So that was really accomplishing. So from the pace of cleaning all the way to the cooking and getting it done. Um, so firstly, um, also, so I, I homeschooled my children, my older four now are on online school, but they're home with me all day. I'm homeschooling my younger ones. So I had to, I had to think what can work. The kids are home all day. They still need to eat. They still need to play. What can we do? Um, so firstly, I would say, ask your rub. I listened to this great sheer. And, um, one of the things is dust is not hummets and your children are not the carbon Pesach. I'm sure you've heard that one before. So I would say, ask your rub, what needs to be cleaned technically for Pesach and what we can just rely on. Let's say the clothing in the washing machine. Does that take care of that? Do we have to clean all the books? I personally do. It's something I grew up with. And it's also something I, you know, want my children to be part of the Pesach process and the cleaning of the chametz also should be, as we're doing it, should, we should look at it as a spiritual cleaning, which it's very hard to, rec- to focus on the spiritual when we're stuck in the practical nitty gritty, but cleaning the chametz is also cleaning the chametz in us, cleaning our ego, getting rid of our ego, of our negative traits. And um, that's something we should focus on. And maybe that will give us a little bit of perspective. But some practical things, so like the bagel crumb in the toy chest, that's very common. Like yesterday, I'm like, oh, I don't have any babies in the house, so I'm not going to have, of course, I found a pretzel in the box. Um, <laughs> but like the really hard to clean toys, like the baby Legos, which are on my living room, which is attached to my dining room. I think I'm just going to sell the, I don't know if everyone does this, but Chabad, we can sell our chametz. Yes. So I would say sell those toys and wash the easier toys or buy new toys for Pesach that are your Pesach toys. That's what I've heard people do a lot. So um, like the really hard stuff, like that, that's for the toys that works because it's just one week. And if you're Pesach, Seder, uh, davening, lunch, nap time, Seder, you don't have to have toys for the whole, all your toys for the whole week. You can choose the easy toys that are easier to clean and maybe buy a new toy, which is also bringing some excitement to the untiff. Um, the other thing I do is because I had a home full of little kids, Baruch Hashem. I wouldn't start until after Purim. Like I know my mother would start Tu B'Shvat and the pressure was on, but why extend the pressure when it's going to be pressurizing anyways? So I just don't think about Pesach until after Purim. And I take my calendar, I cross off the dates. What can I get done and how can I do it? I know that I need to start cooking on this day because I need to finish on this day, especially because we have a public Seder that we're restarting this year after Corona and we would send um, seders to other cities around the country, depending on the year. So if I need to finish cooking by, let's say this, for example, this year, I need to finish cooking by Thursday afternoon. So I want to start cooking Wednesday morning or Tuesday. I have to caution the kitchen and I work backwards. And the ones I work backwards, okay. So I need to know I need to get the bedrooms done by this time, that time, the other time. Um, and another thing is if my kids are bigger, like probably I would say my eight-year-old and up, if I give them their bedroom, I give it to them. Um, I look back now because I thought my mother was really tough, but she didn't look over our shoulders. She gave us a responsibility and then went on to the next thing. So I feel like that was definitely a thing of responsibility that she gave us, which was a good thing. And also we're in this together. It's a family project. 
So um, that that is that. And also the attitude you're going to give your children is going to be what they're going to look at Yontif in the future. Is it a backbreaking holiday or is it something joyous? And this is just part of the rituals that we, we do to get it done. Um, what other tips do I have? Oh, when it comes to cooking. So my Seder food for the past four or five years, it's been the same. Like I know what I'm making for the Seder. I'm not going to try to make a new menu. I can do that for Cholamayit. I can do that for when I have more time, but the first few days, the first days is always the highest pressure because of between the kosher in the kitchen and getting it done. So I know already this year, I don't even have to think, I know what the, what's on the menu for the Seder nights. And then if I want to experiment or try new recipes or things like that, I'll do that either for the lunch meals or second days or something when things are less pressurizing and calmer. But again, if that's your thing and that talks to you, then, then go ahead. For me, I'm simple and easy and uh, let's do this in a cool, uh, cool fashion. So for me, I know what my Seder menu is. Um, but again, if, if it talks to you to do a lemon ring pie out of, I don't know what my mother does. If she does that, that makes her <laughs> joyous. As we say, gesundheit. hate. Amazing. I love those are some really, really great and concrete tips. I love it. I think it's going to help a lot of people because it really is. It can be stressful to, to prepare for Pesach, but this is good. If you're really organized and you have a cleaning schedule, and you have a cooking schedule. And if you involve the kids, I think it, it all works together to make the preparations a little bit easier. I think that's really, really great. Um, I want to ask you one last question. So how much happier would we be if we weren't putting so much pressure on ourselves and striving for perfection all the time? It's exhausting. We would be if we were able to let go of being perfect and getting everything right and just let God handle the outcomes of all the circumstances and situations in our lives, because really that's what he does anyway. We would be so much happier. Is there anything that you would like to add to this idea that letting go and letting God leads to a joyful life? So it's a, it's a work in progress. Uh, I mean, definitely some people that are better at it than others. I'm definitely working on it, but I've had a humbling experience. Uh, Baruch Hashem, we were very lucky to be able to build a Chabad house here in Portugal. And it was a very um, exciting project, a very stressful project, uh, and a very humbling project. Firstly, to see Hashem's brachas the way it went and the way we were able to um, collect the funds and to build it on in a timely fashion. Um, and it was amazing. And I was, we're building and I'm like, we're spending all this money. It needs to be perfect. Like, no, that, that tile over there doesn't belong there. And like, you just like, now that I walk by certain things that whatever, it doesn't bother me or something like that. Like if I want to choose this thing, why is the architect giving me that thing? And things like that. I was just kept on saying like, if I'm spending the money, they need to make sure it's right. The doors have to match the walls and then this has to do that. And the piece over here, that's the magnetic closure fixture or the light switch. And it was like small things, but I'm like, it doesn't matter. We're paying and it needs to be perfect. And then after like a few days walking through with the contractor and walking through with our project manager, I'm like, you know what? Only Hashem is perfect. That's it. You know, only Hashem. it doesn't matter how much money we put in or how much work we put in or how much effort we put in only Hashem is perfect. And once we recognize only Hashem is perfect, then a lot of our expectations will go down. And I think that's where we struggle is when we have these expectations, when we say, whatever it is in life, I have a meeting. So I expect to be at the meeting at 10 o'clock and I'm stuck in traffic. Well, that's my expectation. I didn't expect traffic. So that's why I'm annoyed, but deep breathing, number one. And I think also recognizing in the opposite way. So I, I can't say I'm very good at when I lose control of the moment, am I really good at collecting myself and say, oh, it's in Hashem's hand. But I started like 
the, in the opposite direction, like when things happen that just might seem like coincidence. And I recognize that it was like miraculous, small miracles. And I just say, thank you, Hashem. Like as small as like, oh, there's a parking spot in front of my house. Thank you, Hashem. And I try and voice that in front of my children or like recognizing that everything that does happen is miraculous. Like the other day I was walking out of my car. I was, I was in the door and I would move, step back to close the door. And as I step back, this car zoomed past me. And I'm like, wow, that was a miracle because I'm on the street and he could have just hit me, even though he should have seen me. But like, there's just the small things like recognizing that everything that happens is miraculous. And I'm hoping and praying that if I recognize all those things, it'll trickle down to the things where I feel like I'm losing control and I should be in control and it's not going my way. And um, then I will be in a better place when I can recognize that everything is from Hashem and have that joy because really Hashem's hands are the best hands to be in. And we're in Hashem's hands. A hundred percent. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's a really great way to end up. It's perfect. Thank you so much, Rebbitz and Razel, for joining us on America's Top Rebbitzins. We really enjoyed having you on the show. And may this class be for Rafua Shalema, for Eliezer Raphael Leib Benemuna, Lior Tovia Ben Haya Ashna, and for Rebbitz and Devorah Bat Rifka. Thank you so, so much.